I, I don't watch them because I have a strict opposition to nerds. Um, what's Jim, your GPA? What's your GPA? <laughs> uh, ask me after this, um, this linguistics test I've got tomorrow or on Friday. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Mid-Major Madness podcast. I'm your host, Chris Schutte. I'm joined by uh, managing editor Russell Steinberg and social media editor Cam Newton. Uh, we're going to switch things up and not talk all about bracketology tonight, but I think um, we're going to start with talking about Loyola and the Missouri Valley and whether Loyola is good and just how bad uh, the Missouri Valley is. So, uh, Russ, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on what Loyola has been able to do lately? Well, Loyola has certainly turned it on uh, ever since we started kind of ignoring them when they took those losses earlier in the year. Uh, eight and three in the Valley, they are, are they alone? Yes, they're alone in first place, kind of becoming that team that we thought they would be. I think we all agreed in the preseason they were a little overrated, um, but they've rounded out into, you know, a solid top 120-ish Ken Palm team. They've won three out of their last four, just had a good win over Drake. And I think what's really helped is that Marcus Towns in the last uh, couple of weeks has really turned it on. Um, not that he wasn't playing well earlier in the year, but he's was a little inconsistent. He's found another level. Now had 32 against Drake, hit all four of his threes, has scored at least 19 in three straight games. Um, he's really playing a lot better. And Cameron Crutwig, um, again, the same sort of story. He's just found a little bit more consistency. He's nearly automatic uh, with the ball. I mean, obviously, you know, you would expect someone uh, who plays inside to have a high shooting percentage, but he makes just about every shot he takes now, it seems. He had 19 against Drake, a couple of 22-point games against Northern Iowa, Southern Illinois. Um, I think that the Valley in itself is bad compared to where it usually is. And Loyola has established itself as, you know, a decent, not great team that if is in position to win this conference, go back to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think the thing that the, um, with Loyola this year has been they're just not as talented um, offensively this year as they were with last year's team. Um, they lost a lot of production to graduation. Guys like Andre Jackson, Ben Richardson, um, Dante Ingram. It's just been – there have been nights this season that they just haven't really been able to find a rhythm. and they. They just don't look like they did last year. Um, but like you said, they're starting to round in form, um, eight and three in the Valley. I would agree that they're probably the favorite to at least win the Valley at this point in time. Um, Cam, have you had a chance to watch much Loyola? Uh, I, I tried not to. Uh, <laughs> I don't blame you. Missouri I'm, like, I'm kind of like a hipster. And so, like, everybody caught on to Loyola last year, and I feel like it'd just be – very bland to waste my time watching watching them because they're a team that everybody's gonna be watching. So if I'm watching Missouri Valley basketball, man, night in night out, I'm I'm watching Missouri State because the guy who oh, coached. Come on. <laughs> I I am because I like Dana Ford a lot. Um, he used to coach Tennessee State, and I always liked him when he was there because his defensive style is what you guys would probably call like plague ball. It is plague um, ball. <laughs> yeah. Just pure plague ball. But There's a lot of plague ball in the valley. Yeah, for different reasons, like. Plague in a general term of woe and misery, um, yes. But 
I haven't watched much Loyola for that reason. Uh, mainly because, I mean, I'm not as high on them, even though that I know they're getting better. Um, I mean, I, I'll just chalk it up to just the conference just being trash. Because in another year, like, this would not be a team that yeah. managed to go 8-3 and three in conference play. Yeah. Loyola's a solid team, but they do kind of play their own brand of plague ball. Yeah. Just looking at their numbers, I mean, most of their games in the low 60s in terms of number of possessions, it's not exactly – doesn't exactly make for exciting basketball. Yeah. Uh, At least last other, year they had a good offense to go with that team. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One other quick note about Loyola. I don't know how much this really means, but we, we wrote them off at the beginning of the year when they took some of those early losses. Uh, two of them to Furman and to Ball State. I think those two teams are obviously better than we expected them to be. So maybe it doesn't look quite as bad now. I mean, obviously they're not going to have an at-large resume, but I think <laughs> maybe that could have caused us to write them off a little too early. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the whole thing with the Missouri Valley this year has been disappointment. Like, Illinois State has been a huge disappointment. I think a lot of us were high on Bradley, um, Southern Illinois struggle. So it's just like looking at the the overall records, it's a bunch of teams hovering around 500. I mean, it's just, it's it's a down year. And it's still kind of going through that phase, that post Wichita State phase of trying to find the team that is going to step up and you know kind of prop the valley up. Yeah, that's why the MVC should add should add Murray State. But um... uh, you know what, Val- Valpo is having a much better year two than they did a year one in the valley. Yeah, we we love Valpo, and it's actually kind of funny um, in their case they left the. Uh, Horizon League for a conference that is supposedly better and probably still is, but uh, in Ken Palm this year, Horizon League is ranked 16th, and or Horizon League is 18th, while Missouri Valley is 16th, so not a whole lot of separation, which yeah, uh, but I, I it, find it, that kind of interesting. It, it's funny, but the exposure of the Valley is yeah. obviously a lot higher. They probably make a lot more money that way, and I think long-term, it's probably a much oh. better yeah, I'm definitely not arguing that it was a bad move. I just yeah. find that. It, it's funny, though, the first couple of years, yeah. Um, transitioning off of that uh, towards a team that we probably should have been talking about a little bit more, um, Utah State. They're up to 18-5. and five. They've won, I believe, seven straight games now. They're coming off of a win against Fresno State last night, uh, ranked number 40 in Ken Palm. What do we make of Utah State? Are they legitimately good? Um, where do they kind of fit into the, you know, the whole? Is the Mountain West going to get two bids? Should Utah State be considered for, for the bubble? I, I think Utah State is, in a a similar position to Loyola. Like they're they're good in relation to their conference, because yeah. the Mountain West outside of Nevada is pretty bad. Um, Utah State's a team that the computers have liked all year, and we haven't really been able to figure out why. Um, but they have won seven in a row. They've beat up on the teams that they should beat up on. And that win against Fresno State was huge. And just looking at where they fall, you know, in Ken Palm and the net, et cetera, uh, you know, it's, it's not out of the question that they get a second bid. 
uh, out of the Mountain West if it is going to be Utah State. Um, I, I won't go as far as, as to say they have to beat Nevada when they play them at home on March 2nd, but it'll be really tough if they don't. If they do, though, uh, then I, I think it's, it's a real possibility. I have not had a chance – pardon me – have not had a chance to watch them play yet. Uh, they face San Diego State on Saturday, though, so I'm going to try to check that out. Um, see what see what the Aggies are all about because they've been a team that's been kind of on the radar nationally all year, but without any good reason. Uh, now maybe you know seven wins in a row, maybe it's worth checking them out. Yeah, I'm looking at bracket matrix right now. They have them uh, in the first four out. So mm-hmm. obviously, some bracketologists kind of agree with the computers and think that they're at least knocking on the door and. Like you said, if they get that one over Nevada towards the end without, you know, dropping too much else, I think they have a chance. And a funny thing about that game is Ken Palm actually projects them to win that game by one. To beat Nevada? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, you're, you're right. Utah State is projected to win each game individually going forward the rest of the year. That's Craig, interesting. Craig Smith, baby. Yeah. I love that hire at the time. Um Speaking of bracketology and brackets, I know we said we weren't going to dive too heavy into it, but um, the selection committee is announcing their top 16 um, Saturday, correct? Yes, Saturday afternoon, 1230. Yeah, so like they did last year, they're going to show the top four seed lines, and I think there's going to be a little bit of extra hype around it this year just because of the net and the new metric. Um, what are what are you guys going to be looking for on Saturday when that top sixteen gets revealed? Well, I will not be watching it. Um, You're not going to see how your cats are stacking up. Well, I actually have a prior engagement that Saturday. I'm going to be chief official at an academic team tournament. Um, but <laughs> sounds but riveting. It it should be actually. I get to run the whole thing. But I probably just won't watch it out of I would if I were available, I wouldn't watch it out of principle just because I genuinely like hate this stuff. I, I hate most sort of um all of these kind of playoff esque rankings before like the actual time is um is coming. Why? I just think that it doesn't provide any actual like value to me as a consumer of the sport. Ethical consumption of college basketball. Well like well, like, for example, me as a Kentucky fan, like, it's cool to go onto Twitter after this and be like, hell yeah, man, they've got the Cats listed as a one seed right now. But, like, that does me no good besides, like, bragging in the moment. Well, but, but, but here's the thing, though. Let, let's say, you know, that, let's say they have Kentucky as a two seed, all right, I, on the last reveal. And then on Selection Sunday, Kentucky's a three seed. You can look at what they've done between that last reveal and selection Sunday as the reason why. And if Kentucky didn't lose in that time or performed better than other teams relative to their position, then you could hold the committee accountable in that way. I think that's the value that this provides a little more transparency and accountability for the committee. But not if, that but it matters. Let's say, but if Kentucky didn't lose in that time anyway, and they got a three seed, I'd still complain. Even if I saw these, pre-rankings or not well right but this gives you actual basis like kentucky was a two seed they didn't do anything wrong now they're a three seed and that's something that the committee has to answer for okay well you know i'm just going to complain about it i know i know you like to do that it's your brand (laughs) uh let me talk now 
<laughs> let the adults in the room take let over. Let the adults talk. Um, so from, for our purposes, Gonzaga and Nevada are the two teams that we're going to be looking for. Um, yeah. Nobody else is on that radar. I think Gonzaga is either going to be a one or a two. Uh, bracket matrix right now has them as the last one with hardly any separation between them and Michigan as the first two. So it's not really going to matter to me which seed line they fall on because I know it's going to be close either way. I'm more interested in seeing where they put Nevada yeah. because that's going to tell us a lot more in terms of how teams are being evaluated this year because Nevada has just one loss. It was that blowout to New Mexico. No really spectacular wins, but they've won. I mean, they are wins. They are 21 and one. They have only that one loss on the road. They've won all their other road games, which is something that the um, chairman of the selection committee said will matter a lot. He said that uh, in an interview with Matt Norlander today, uh, check that story out. If you haven't yet, it's actually pretty good. Uh, So that will make a difference. And, you know, the, the computers have Nevada right around that four seed cutoff. So if Nevada is nowhere to be found, I think that might maybe not bode so well for some of the mid-majors that we're hoping get at large bids. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> um, but if Nevada is, say, a three seed, then I think we could take that as a very good sign. Yeah, and I think the, the important thing is going to be it's only the top 16 Right. If Nevada is not included, they could very well be like, right. They could be on the five line, just like outside. Right. And it's, but I, I agree with you. If, if Nevada is included in the 16 this Saturday, I think that bodes very well for mid-majors moving forward uh, or teams we now, cover. I, I don't know if you remember how they did this last year, um, but did they say who like the f- first couple of teams out would have been? Do they give any? I, I would have to go back and check right. on that. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I, I'm just curious because, like, say Nevada is that first five seed, then maybe this doesn't tell us a whole lot at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they're not even on the radar, that's obviously bad news for, say, a Wofford or a Lipscomb. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, after the jump, we'll talk a little bit uh, about the Atlantic 10 and some, uh, some games we're looking forward to this weekend. And we're back, and we're going to start off by talking about a team that we've mentioned a little bit in recent weeks, but is starting to to fall back off, and that's George Mason. Uh, Cam, you you dropped a note earlier um, in our Slack chat that they were losing to a bad uh, Richmond team. Yeah, and they lost to the bad. They, as yeah, as of now, they have lost to that Richmond team. Uh, Two game losing streak. They're now. Down to seven and three in the Atlantic Ten. Um, done for. Done for. You think? Right. Dunzo. Yeah. You're, right, you're writing the Patriots off. Absolutely. Listen, they play LaSalle next. LaSalle just beat St. Joe's. I'm riding high on, riding high on the Explorers. No, but like in reality, like I, I think that uh, yeah, this was probably like an aberration what we saw at like the beginning of a ten play with with uh, with George Mason. Uh, I, I think we're going to see them like regress a little bit back to like their, their early season self, even though they do have a healthy team again. Um, there, they are lucky that um, their upcoming schedule is a little weak. 
but given how like Davidson has kind of been surging here and VCU, like there's just no way like um, George Mason will end up like contending there through the end of the uh, conference schedule. Uh, but it'll be nice to see them try. Are they a team that could possibly um, not win the league, but maybe set themselves up for some uh, good seating in the A-10 tournament and possibly steal a bid? Um, I don't know about like steal a bid. Not steal a bid, but get the Atlantic 10 bid that we would have thought would have gone to a different team otherwise. Oh, yeah, that's that's what I meant. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, oh, so... I, uh, it, George Mason killed its chances at an at-large bid right off the bat. With, well, yeah, with I'm, not, I'm not saying that right. they're stealing an at-large bid. Right. They're stealing the... But what, what George Mason is playing for right now is to put itself in the best possible position to win the A-10 tournament, yeah, which would mean that double buy. The double buy that's they're still very much in play for. Uh, at 7-3, and three, they're actually... They would be the four, three or the four seed right now, so they would mm-hmm. have that. Um, obviously, you know, the higher up you are, the easier the road is. The good news for them is that those top four teams in the league are all within a game of each other. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, th- this loss was ugly to a terrible Richmond team, uh, but they're not buried in that sense. I mean, I, I don't feel confident in it, though, because, like, right at, like, knocking at their door is, like, Duquesne and St. Louis, two teams right. that they still have to face. In this uh, in this upcoming schedule, one of those is an away game, like um, against St. Louis. They still play VCU. I mean, I, I still see like at least three losses there for them, and I don't really know how that six how a six loss team with another like upset or two thrown in there. I mean, they've shown it can be done clearly. How they end up making that like double buy? I mean, I guess yeah. it's possible, but I have no faith in them. Well, the I guess if you're a George Mason fan, the good news is that your destiny is kind of in your hands because, as you mentioned, they face the teams that are creeping up on them for that double bye. So if you beat the teams that are behind you in the standings, then you'll be okay. So Mason just has to perform to the level that it has performed so far in conference play, and it'll be it'll be fine. Um, but, yeah, the, the Richmond loss is concerning. They've now lost – two in a row it's it's getting a little dicey uh, um good news for them though they got umass coming up and fordham just destroyed umass today yeah and that is, i i only bring that up because we never get to say that umass <laughs> is one in nine in the a10 <laughs> we never get to say that foreman just for that fordham destroyed somebody fordham deserves its time in the spotlight tonight do we need to do shine. a quick fordham minute Hey, who's gonna Who's gonna be the coach of Fordham next year? <laughs> that would have been a good topic, and uh, my answer it. is Jeff Newbauer. <laughs> That's my little twist answer. Spins out. Mm. Russ, how did? What's the vibe around that job? Like, is that a is that a terrible job? Uh, it yeah no no one has ever won there. We we actually we talked about this a couple podcasts ago. No one ever wins there. Uh, <laughs> They are in the wrong conference. They don't belong in the in the Atlantic Ten. Should they right? be in the MAAC? They're like Nick. they're a, like a CAA team. <laughs> like they they could contend every once in a while in there. Um, it, it's hard because they're a New York City team. You would think that what bureau are they in? Bronx. Borough. 
or what whatever <laughs> where they're in the Bronx the Bronx, the Bronx. yeah what is that suburb no what is the they Bronx is part of New York City yeah but like the like neighborhood, no, oh, what neighborhood, the Christmas, neighborhood. The yeah thank you the Bronx is on the Bronx Rose is Hill. on Long Island no it's not <laughs> <laughs> it's extremely not <laughs> uh, anyway you would think that an Atlantic ten, an Atlantic Ten school in New York City, with you know a, a historic gym, would be beautiful able to campus. draw. It, it is a beautiful campus. They would be able to draw some uh, local talent. They've just never been able to do that. I think anybody who is of Atlantic Ten quality either goes to one of the Philly schools. Or to like uh, Seton Hall, they just can't get guys to form Fordham, and I honestly they haven't had a coach who's really been able to recruit. Yeah, it would take like a very, very, very charismatic person to turn that job around. Uh, transitioning to a uh, another team in the Northeast. Harvard is really starting to turn it on lately now that they're starting to get healthy. Um, they're riding a four-game win streak. Uh, they just beat a good Yale team over the weekend. Um, with Bryce Aiken back in the lineup, they haven't lost yet, and they're now back inside the top 100 in Ken Palm. Um, they were a team earlier this year. I think they were number 25 in our preseason rankings but kind of fell off after struggling out of the gate um i've actually gotten to watch them a little bit here and there um since aiken came back and they've got a lot of talent especially for an ivy league team yeah and it aiken's aiken's back but he's not all the way back yet right he's still working his way kind of into the uh into the rotation i I think they've had a few guys who have really come on strong in his place who maybe we didn't expect, uh, like freshman Noah Kirkwood. Uh, I love his game. Yeah, he's he's had a few really good games. Uh, Hasn't needed to score quite as much lately, but he's playing well. Uh, We know guys like uh, Chris Lewis, obviously a lot of talent. The whole team really because Tommy Emmerker recruits so well for that level. Mm-hmm. And actually I think we're going to have a story on that fairly soon. Um, they're, they're just a really good team and, and defensively they've really turned it on Yeah, lately. They, they've held their last three opponents to under 60 points. They held Yale to 49 and then Brown to 47 last weekend. Um, and now they have two home games coming up. Uh, Friday, Saturday against Columbia and Cornell. Those should be two more wins for them, and they can really build themselves a cushion in the Ivy League as they try to um, lock up a, an Ivy League tournament bid. And really, that's all. All they need to do is get to that Ivy League tournament, and mm-hmm. I think they have the most talent in the league, and they'll at least have a shot uh, between them and Yale. Yeah, and I think now that Princeton, they're still 4-0, and and um, John Templin was there over – uh, the weekend for their uh, game against Columbia. But with Devin Kennedy out, I, th- I think there's that top spot is there for the taking. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how that, that top four plays out and if Harvard can kind of 
create a little bit of separation to give them some cushion down the stretch to, to stay in that top four. All right, so let's dive into some of the stuff that's upcoming this weekend. I think the two headlining games come from our two headlining teams. And one of those is Gonzaga versus St. Mary's. And we've talked a lot lately, at least I know Will has on the side, about just how far ahead this particular Gonzaga team is from the rest of the the Mountain or the West Coast Conference. God, not Mountain West. Um, St. Mary's is kind of an interesting team. We've talked about a little bit too. The computers like them a lot. They're ranked number 40 in Ken Palm. But they haven't really picked up any huge wins other than the last last weekend's over San Francisco. Do the Gales have a shot? Probably not. No. If they were to have a shot, if they what would they to need to shot. do? I mean, their, their offense is – it's number 12 in Ken Palm. Like that. Yeah. Uh, so, if St. Mary's wants to at least make this a close game and then down the stretch, who knows? Um, you, you said it exactly right. They, they have one of the most efficient offenses in the country and also one of the slowest tempos. Uh-huh. So, if they, if they keep it like a low-possession, low-scoring game, they have a shot. One thing that, I, that does bode well for them going into a hostile – environment is that they take really good care of the ball mm-hmm. they don't you know commit silly turnover turnovers they don't beat themselves um so that maybe bodes well for them but i i think we could all agree that gonzaga probably just has too much firepower especially now that they're healthy yeah and i think the other big thing that st mary's at least has going for it too is that randy bennett is a guy who's pretty experienced with playing this gonzaga team and then he's not going to get rattled like a lot of these other like coaches who have gone up against him are. Um, albeit they, he knows how to beat them, I will say that. Albeit it happens a little few and far between that um, St. Mary's does tend to up in Gonzaga, but he generally knows um, how to set his game plan for this team. Of course, this is probably the best Gonzaga team that he's ever faced since he's been at St. Mary's. So it'll be a bit of a challenge, um, especially on a team that doesn't have the um, you know, firepower that he had been used to having in recent years. But, uh, yeah, I don't think this will even be close. I think Gonzaga is going to be able to, like, control this game very well, get a lot of those good transition baskets that they're used to getting, and uh, they'll they'll put up probably, like, 85 points or something <laughs> on the St. Mary's team. I think we'll probably know within, like, the first 10 minutes if it's going to be a game or not. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. If St. Mary's comes out – like Russ said, if they can dictate the tempo, take care of the ball, keep it within striking distance, get past that like initial dr- adrenaline rush, I think they'll have a chance. But if if Gonzaga just comes out and blows the absolute doors off them, it's going to get ugly. Um, the other game that I mentioned is the rematch of Nevada and New Mexico. And as we've mentioned many times, this is the only game that Nevada has lost and it was a game in which New Mexico absolutely just blew the absolute doors off of Nevada. What is Nevada like? What is it about them from that game that you think switched moving forward and has led them to this seven-game win streak? And is there any chance for New Mexico to pull it off again? Well. 
if Nevada is the team that we think they can't be, I have a feeling that they'll come out and win this game by like 40 points. Yeah. They're just, they, they will have revenge on the mind. Uh, one thing, though, that I, I think New Mexico did really well in that one game is they defended the hell out of that team. Did they? Th- I might be wrong, but did they throw a zone at Nevada? I would have to go back and watch. I just remember Nevada not being able to just get any good look, and they were just – I mean, they were four for 22 from three, and they, they just didn't have anything going. I mean, they didn't – they turned it over 14 times. It's not a – it's not an absurd amount, but they they just couldn't get anything going from behind the arc, and I wonder if that's yeah. that's probably going to be the recipe um, for New Mexico this time. Yeah, they, they were four of 22 from three. Caleb Martin was one of seven from three, had just eight points. Uh, Cody had nine. Caroline had 17. And then nobody else really did much of anything at all offensively. Um, they had, I mean, yeah, they, they just had a, a dismal shooting game. Uh, while New Mexico, you know, they, they did what they were supposed to do. And Vance Jackson came off the bench and had a, great game scored 18 points and Anthony Mathis had 27 and before you knew it this game was out of hand it was really really an impressive performance from a New Mexico team that has been so inconsistent this year I mean the that Nevada win obviously um kind of the exception but New Mexico you know they'll win a couple of games and they'll drop a bad one then they'll win a couple more then they'll lose to you know I don't know Colorado State, and then they'll come back. They beat San Diego State in their last game. They're looking to get into some sort of groove um, heading down the stretch in this season. They they have the confidence. They've beaten Nevada already this season, um, and they kind of have the, the game plan to do it to slow them down offensively. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it's going to be tough. And one thing about Nevada is since that game, I think they've done a – they've played a few more complete games Mm -hmm. than we had been seeing from them earlier this year, especially their last three have all just been absolute blowout wins over Colorado state, UNLV Boise state, not very good teams, but not exactly pushovers either. Um, So they seem to be hitting their stride at the right time. Yeah. Other than that, that one game against Boise state that, a couple of weeks ago that they probably should have lost. Yeah, they've been just absolutely crushing teams. Uh, sticking out West, another one of the big games this weekend, and it's a shame that we don't have Greg on for, <laughs> the, for, whack a, minute. for the whack minute. It's a matchup between New Mexico State and Grand Canyon, which has been the cream of the crop in the whack this year. Both teams are sitting at 7-1. and one. Um, This might be the rowdiest crowd the Havocs have had all season. Mm-hmm. One might call it religious. Yeah. <laughs> a wise man once said. Uh, and th- this is another interesting game because it's kind of a contrast in two styles. New Mexico State is the best offense in the WAC. Grand Canyon's the best defense. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on this game other than what you read from Greg's pieces every week? Yeah, I'll just read Greg's stuff. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I I like New Mexico State. Um, really? Is that is that a surprise? No, I, I just think it's 
interesting that, I mean, New Mexico State's kind of been the, the gold standard in that conference, but I, it kind yeah, of I mean, feels they, like if, if this is going to be the year that Grand Canyon does it, this is like go out and prove it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, absolutely. Grand Canyon can pick them off. I and mean, we've seen Grand Canyon play Nevada close down to the final few minutes, played uh, Seton Hall co- close, uh, San Diego. Like they, they're capable. Um, but I just, I really like this New Mexico State team. They're starting to click at the right time. They won seven in a row in conference. Um, and it's, it's weird because Chris Jans and really whoever's coaching that team, they keep reloading in a really tough place to recruit. And again, they just have a whole bunch of talent. Uh, Eli Chua, I think, is in his 15th season at he, New Mexico State. He's been there for no less than. 10 years like <laughs> yeah at least 10 years um and you know he he's his normal amazing self uh, i i like new mexico state but it, i mean what how can i really have an opinion without greg on here yeah uh, it, it is kind of interesting and i think it speaks to the quality of the whack that it's a top 75 ken palm matchup i can't imagine there have been too many if any of those um you know, in the last few years with the teams that are currently in the WAC. Um, looking elsewhere, what else do we have on the agenda? E- uh, ETSU and Furman. A lot of the talk in the SOCON has been about Wofford and UNCG, um, and rightfully so, but uh, East NEC State, they're at 9-2, and two, and they're still within striking distance of, you know, those top two teams, and they're actually ranked – 59th in Ken Palm. And I don't think we give Steve Forbes enough credit for being one of the best mid-major coaches in the country because he is another guy that like kind of reloads every single year and just pumps out wins. Well, he's certainly one of the best on Twitter. Right. <laughs> what was it uh, the other day that he called the, the cigarette the heater or something? <laughs> I yes. missed that. Some yeah. Picture. Yeah. He called it a heater. <laughs> yeah. Um, what what do you uh, what do you guys think about that magic this weekend? Um, I know we talk a lot of SoCon on yeah. the podcast. Well, f- first of all, we should note that ETSU has like the two toughest games you could possibly have back to back. Yeah, because they they host Wofford and then play at Furman, which just seems unfair. Um, but in in this one, you know, I mean, ETSU has lost once since Christmas. Like they're they're on a, a roll right now, and they have they're kind of like the Harvard of the SoCon, and that they have so many different absurdly talented guys who could contribute on a given night. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as Furman goes, they've been kind of inconsistent really since that amazing start. Yeah. I mean, you you can't blame them for the losses to Greensboro and Wofford. Those are both on the road. Greensboro and Wofford are both top 100 Ken Palm teams, like, it happens. That loss to Samford was a little concerning. And then the Citadel and Mercer both played them really tough. Um, I think they may have come back down to earth a little bit. I don't know. It, it's going to be an interesting game. And and if, if Furman could actually win it, uh, then I think we're right back where we were before and saying that there are four really, really good teams in this conference. 
Is there a, a mid-major conference uh, that we cover that has a better top four than the SoCon? No. I, to think, I think the only conference that would be even kind of close would maybe be the West Coast Conference. I was going to argue a little bit for the OVC, but... Uh... Um, well, the OVC would be Murray, Belmont, Jacksonville State, but who else? Austin P. All oh, right, Austin P. Yeah, okay, you could argue that. And you could, uh, you could even make the case for the A-10. A-10. But, but, I mean, who's the even, like, the third team in the A-10 that's... Like, yeah, I feel like it changes every week. It's the one week in St. <laughs> yeah. Louis. This right. week it's Fordham. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's tonight Fordham. it's Fordham. Shout yeah, out to I, the Rams. It, it's going to be a, a great conference tournament to watch, especially oh, I can't if, wait. if what we've been saying, if Wofford is in the position that they are. And thank God that we are sending John there because he's going to get so much good stuff there. <laughs> I I, I can't wait to just set John loose there and just have like, he's going to write 400 stories for us. He's going to be texting me at two in the morning with like sound bites from coach. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I, I think Steve Forbes is good. Cause like he's the only coach in America that I think would like be really good if he were played by like Will Sasso. <laughs> Any of you guys are familiar with him. I'm not. <sighs> Sorry. You ever watch Mad TV? No. I mean, I have in, okay. in my life, but I was never a Mad TV watcher. Okay. Well, listen, Mad TV was like a million times better than Saturday Night Live. No, we're not getting into this. Uh, well, it was. And okay. Will Sasso was an actor on it. Are there any uh, other big games you guys are looking forward to um, this weekend? Anything else on, on the radar that we need to be? I'm looking forward to tomorrow going. night. I'm heading, I'm heading to a game. Are you going to – is that – you going to one of your OBC games? Belmont, Eastern Kentucky. It's my first Belmont game. Let me say hi to Nick Mayo for us. I, listen, this is going to be just – this is going to be like uh, – I'm going to be fangirling this whole time. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. I'm, I'm getting to see like Rick Bird, Nick Mayo, Dylan Windler. Oh, what, man. Uh, what do we think about Dayton URI? That nah. – Yeah. All right, we don't have to talk about that. Depends if good Dayton shows up. That's yeah, Dayton's another one of those teams that you kind of cycle through as they could be a top four team in the conference, or then sometimes they're just not. The yeah, thing about them is they have so many guys that I like really like. Like I like watching Josh Cunningham play. Oh, I love Josh Cunningham. Obi Toppin is like one of the like most freakish athletes in the country as a freshman. Um yeah, just some nights they just aren't any good. Like they crapped the bed last night against a St. Louis team that had lost four straight and has been in traditional Travis Ford fashion, very underwhelming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dayton, they're often, I mean, their defense isn't great, but man, they let, they let St. Louis put up 73 points on them. Man, if, <laughs> you let, if you let St. Louis score more than 70 on you, you're done for. <laughs> Yeah, and Rhode Island's kind of the same, man. Like, some nights they bring – like, they they beat VCU a couple weeks back. and Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and St. Louis. And St. Louis. Like, and they have Fats, who has been kind of struggling this year. <laughs> which We still pay, love Fats. Which pains me to say. 
Uh, you want to hear a fat stat? I'm looking at their Ken Pod page right now. Yeah, tell us about fats. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody try to guess it's three point percentage this year. Uh, is it good or bad? It's not great. Uh, 32. 28. Lower. Yeah. Lower than 28? Yeah. 23. Lower. I thought you said it was not bad. No, he said it's not great. I said it's not oh. great. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Which is, it's not. <laughs> 18%. Yeah, he's 21 of 115 this year from three. <laughs> Not what you want. And uh, At what point do you just stop shooting threes? 71 of 178 from two. So uh, efficiency, not not quite there for, <laughs> for my beloved Sun Fats, which of course means that he's going to probably go for 25 against Dayton, which would be fantastic for me personally. All right, we got anything else or do we want to get out of here? Uh, I got some trivia. I got one trivia question Ooh, yes, for you. Trivia. I only got one tonight because I didn't, didn't have much time. Actually, no, I have, I have two trivia questions for you. Okay, so the first one, true or false? True. No, false. true or false. Ty Cockfield is the name of a real <laughs> player. Ty Cockfield is the name of a real player for Arkansas State who takes more than 32% of his team's shots. Well, uh, I'll say true, but maybe you're being an asshole and, like, he actually plays for Tennessee Martin or something like that. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with false. I bet he takes, like, 27%. <laughs> okay, so, so Chris, Chris more or less knew what I was getting up to. And it's false. He takes 31.2%. <laughs> Otherwise, Ty Cockfield, completely real, definitely plays for Arkansas State but he takes 31.2% of his team's shots. That was a terrible trivia question. Well, here's my second trivia question. What are the only two countries in South America that do not border Brazil? Is Peru one of them? No. Chile. You got, there's, there's two, you guys. Yeah. I, well, but, but is that one of them? Yeah, Chile is one. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, Okay, it's got to be something on the west. I, I'm bad at geography. <laughs> I am too. Cam's a geography major. Minor. Minor, sorry. Uh, what, is Columbia over there? Columbia's not it. <laughs> what is it? I, I would Suriname. Have to... Suriname definitely borders Brazil, man. I, I don't know. I don't know where it is. I just know uh, it's a country. It's Ecuador. Well, okay. What is what is the relevance of this to? No, no, you guys want you guys want a trivia. You didn't what's specify. the? Uh, did you guys do that um, song in like high school Spanish to learn all the <laughs> the? Capital? I didn't take Spanish, so no. Oh, I don't remember using a song. I just went into Spanish already knowing them all. There was, there was like a catchy song. Um, God. All right, for Cam and Russ, uh, this is Chris. We'll talk to you soon after. What we're hoping is a, another fun weekend of basketball. Don't forget to like, subscribe, do all that nonsense. I think we're in the proper feed. So hopefully we'll talk to you soon. See you.